Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Minute with Coach Riggs. Former T.R. Miller head football coach Jamie Riggs shares his views on all aspects of football after a 40-year Hall of Fame high school career. Coach Riggs and his guests will discuss the latest on the local high school and college teams, the current issues that are dominating high school, college, and NFL football, as well as reliving some of the classic moments and history of the game with the people that made it happen. This is A Minute with Coach Riggs. Hey, I want to welcome you to uh, another episode of A Minute with Coach Riggs. This is Jamie Riggs. I will be hosting tonight, and we are once again dealing with the top 25 football teams of all time uh, at T.R. Miller. And uh, on uh, uh, this episode, we will be dealing with the number nine football team of all time. By the way, there's been 98 football teams at T.R. Miller, so if you're in the top 10, uh, that's pretty sporty, and so we'll be we'll be moving on to that here in just a minute. We'd like to say that wherever you listen to this, whether you listen on the Podbean app or Spotify or wh- whatever you're listening to, uh, all those episodes are archived. So if you just started listening here recently and uh, you want to go back and go all the way back to number 25, you can certainly uh, do that. I know I've talked to several people who tell me that you know they they got to commute every day to work and they like to listen to them. You know, when they're coming back and forth to work or, you know, they'll be out on vacation or riding two or three hours somewhere and they like to pop them in and listen to them then. So I uh, appreciate that. And uh, But if you do want to go back and listen to some of the other ones, uh, you can certainly do that. Our last episode was the number 10 team of all time, which was the 1946 team. That was a great, great episode there, talking about Scotty Byrne and uh, what was going on in Bruton in 1946. Also, at that time was the last time we ran down the whole list. So, if you want to, if you missed some things, you want to go back and hear who who the whole list is up to this point, uh, you can go back to uh, the last episode here that we did in December, and uh, you can you can get the whole list there. And also, continue to load uh, games on uh, YouTube. Um, the channel on YouTube is called A Minute with Coach Riggs, and you can search that and go on there and. Uh, the team we're going to talk about tonight, I think we've loaded about five five of those games on there. So you can go on there and check those out, kind of give you an idea a little bit about some of the things that we we were talking tonight. If you want a picture of it, you can certainly get a, a little bit more of a picture of that. So here we go, the uh, number nine football team of all time at T.R. Miller is the 2003 T.R. Miller Tigers. They were coached by Jamie Riggs. They had a record of 12-2. and two. They were a state semifinalist. The 2003 Tigers scored 556 points, which is the school record. Um, there have only been three other Miller teams that have scored 500 points. I'm going to give them to you before we go on. Uh, the 2008 team scored 535 points. The 2013 team scored, I think, 529 points. And the 1996 team scored 517 points. So there's been four teams that scored 500 points. And if for those of you old heads that are wondering about the 1969 team, uh, they scored 486 points, but they only played 11 games. So when you, when you start figuring up the average, their average is going to be pretty good. Uh, this squad also defeated uh, a 10-win Neal team twice. 
20 to 14 in the regular season game in East Bruton and a 31 to 14 win in the quarterfinals in Bruton. But the Tigers lost two close games to eventual state champion Pike County. Uh, Miller had a 21-20 lead in the regular season game that was played in Bruton after scoring with a minute left in the game. And I was afraid we'd left too much time on the clock. But the Bulldogs completed two big passes, Chris Nixon to Nick Walker, and won 27-21. The semifinal matchup in Brundage uh, was a classic. Uh, one of the state's greatest playoff games ever. The teams went back and forth the entire game. Uh, Miller scored with five seconds left on the clock and kicked the extra point to tie the game 28-28. That score was on a Brad Lanham to Tyler Sheehan pass. The Tigers scored on four runs in overtime but missed the PAT. When Pike County scored and kicked their PAT, they won 35-34 to to send them to the state championship game. The key to this football team in 2003 was offense. Uh, Brad Lanham was our quarterback. He had a super year, and Michael Jones and Skylar Fountain were veteran runners who were tough and speedy. The offensive line was coached by Jack Wiggum. And uh, they were a tremendous group, led by seniors Kendrick Deer, Demetrius Preer, Kurt Prater, Kevin Ard, center David Padgett, and, of course, tight end Trent Davidson. And I don't know we've ever had a better senior group of linemen than we had in 2003. Junior Michael Mashburn also helped contribute there. Lanham had some speedy receivers in junior Jacob Salter and sophomore and kick returner Antonio Gomez, and he could go as well as Davidson at tight end. Michael Jones was a terrific offensive threat with tough inside running and catching passes out of the backfield. The strength of the defense was the line where Deer, Prater, R, etc. were helped by Josh Gilmore. Junior Samaritan Cuttingham, Tyler Sheehan, with help from sophomore Wade McCall, uh, did most of the inside linebacker play. Michael Jones was again outstanding at outside linebacker, and he was helped by Preer, Ty Walker, and Keith Turner at the outside linebacker position. The secondary was Young, Gomez, Damian Jackson, and Rodney Lane were primarily the corners, with Scotter Fountain playing strong safety and senior Joseph Turner at free safety. At times, the 2003 team was unstoppable on offense, but there were times that we were susceptible to turnovers, penalties, and other miscues, scoring average. The 2003 Tigers averaged 39.7 points per game. That's pretty sporty. We gave up an average of 18.5, which meant that our point differential was 21.2 per game, and we've said from the beginning that 20-point differential per game was outstanding. Davidson was all-state at tight end. Gomez, as an athlete, uh, Demetrius Preer was an uh, all-state offensive lineman. Lanham made honorable mention at quarterback. Other members of the varsity coaching staff in 2003 were Jim Hart, Alan Baker, Greg Ennis, and Jeff Torrance, and a couple of other things about the 2003 team. Uh, they were part of a six-year run from 2000 to 2005 where every Miller team made at least to the semifinals. 
that's quite an accomplishment. It doesn't happen very often, particularly uh, when you start talking about small schools. Like most teams that play in the lower classifications, uh, we did have some shortcomings. And for the most part, we did a pretty good job of hiding them and taking care of them most of the time. Our linebacker crew that had been so great for us in 2002, three of the four graduated. We were very young there, caused us some, a few issues there. Part of one of our other issues was that our senior class that year didn't really have a lot of speedy wide receivers and, and defensive backs in it. So most of those uh, guys came from the sophomore and junior classes. Uh, this caused us some issues sometimes. Uh, particularly against uh, teams that had great receivers and could spread out like the Pike Counties. We were just starting to, to in the 2000s, deal with spread offense a little bit more. I thought we did a pretty good job of a, doing some adjustment to that, but we still had a lot to learn. As we said, turnovers, penalties, and big plays really hurt us at times. And I will say this about, uh, about this team. Uh, we played in some really big games. We had a habit in the big games of getting behind for some reason. We just apparently like to play from behind. But this team always answered. They always answered. We could dig a hole, but we always climbed out of that thing. And so it's one of the things I think that uh, made it special. We had great expectations of this team uh, because of some key folks that had come back from the state championship game. I certainly think that um, – uh, that we lived up to that even though we didn't get to where we wanted uh, to be. Uh, and the final thing I would tell you is that this team played before some tremendous crowds. Um, the two Neal games that year, uh, we had tremendous, tremendous crowds there. And the semifinal game against Pike County was reminiscent of the Neal game from the mid-'90s uh, where the, there were six or seven deep around the fences, and uh, that was that way that night. I believe everybody in the wiregrass showed up that night to see that game. And uh, so uh, with that, let me introduce our guests that I have uh, with me tonight. First of all, I have David Jennings, who's agreed to join us again. And I know David has some questions he wants to ask about this team. So, David, thanks for being around. And we have with us um, – Trent Davidson, who is a senior tight end on that uh, 2003 team, as well as Brad Lanham, who is the quarterback. So, guys, welcome. And, DJ, I'm going to turn it over to you. Coach, I appreciate you uh, letting me be a part of this again tonight. You know, one of the things I love about these series of podcasts that you do is we're not up against the time limit. And we can pretty much talk about what we want to talk about, understanding you're the executive producer and, the, and the, what we do talk about may or may not make it to the final cut. But I've had a great time uh, being a part of these, and especially looking forward to this one with uh, Brad and Trent and talking about that team. Uh, I had a lot of great memories myself with, with this group of young men as, as they were growing up and looking forward to, to getting in and celebrating and recognizing the 2003 football season. And, you know, when you, when you start getting into this and you want to touch on all of it and cover as much of it as you can, I have to start with it. It's always great to beat WS Neal once a year. I would have to believe the only thing that's greater than that is beating them twice in a year. <laughs> uh, it, we've had a couple of teams that do that. You guys, I think, have probably been the most recent. Talk about that, getting to play – 
Uh, and, and Brad, I'll start with you and certainly want to get to Trent, but talk about getting to line up with those guys twice in one year and taking it to them both times. Yeah, that was, uh, as growing up as a, a Tiramano Tiger, and there's nothing better than beating Neil twice in the same season, I'll tell you that. Um, no, because for my four years, um, Neil kind of struggled some in football, especially my freshman through junior year, and then their senior, they had a really good ball club. Um, we played them over there you know, during the regular season, and Coach Reeves, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that was the first uh, Neil Miller game in their new stadium if I recall. Um, so, I mean, their fans were jacked for that game. It was like a Super Bowl-type atmosphere as far as high school football is concerned. Uh, we were able to squeak it out over there, a tight game, came down to the wire, and then obviously, you know, getting them in the playoffs, um, you know, getting them at home. There's no way we're going to lose that game. You know, it was crazy atmosphere. Um, I remember warming up during that game, um, you know, going through walkthrough and everything, and then we go back inside to get our pads on, our black jerseys are hanging on a locker. So not only, you know, getting to play Neil twice, but, you know, wearing the black jersey game against Neil uh, as a senior is pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Just an amazing, amazing game. Probably one of our most complete games of the year, I would say, we put together that night. And I think it was 31-14. Probably should have been a little bit worse, but uh, that's an amazing experience. Always great to beat Neil twice for sure. Speak to that uh, as well, if you will, please. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I uh, watching the video and, and thinking back on on these two. I'll, I'll tell you, and let me be a little politically correct to tee this up. Uh, you know, I the the people that are Neil alum. There's some phenomenal people. You know, it, it's not about the people. It's about when you go against that school and and the the blue and the yellow. That's what you kind of have that Neil hate towards and all that. So. If some of my passion comes out, it's not towards individuals, it's towards that. But man, you know, like Brad said, so I believe that was the first time Miller and Neal had played in the new stadium. I know they had a new coach. I'm pretty sure those were new jerseys that they had on. And it was like the year that they were going to do, uh, the unthinkable. And, and, you know, we had, we had beat them every year, um, that, that Brad and I had been on varsity. So we were three and oh against them going into, uh, to try to be four and oh. And, and, uh, and man, they were pumped up. They had Gross at running back. You got Smith at quarterback. I mean, you go down the list. There were a lot of guys that, that played at the next level through that. And, uh, and at the coffee shop, you know, that they were just the, the best players ever. And, uh, so to, so to go there to their home field and, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the game a little later, but we could not have started off worse and been in a worse position. And I'm not going to say where we ate pregame meal at, but most of us were throwing up on the sideline. I don't think it was the food. We had a bad habit. We, we had a, the, the, we had a bad habit that was probably passed to us from some of the classes before us, um, of overeating at, uh, at the meal if, uh, Coach Riggs wasn't necessarily watching right over some of those tables. And, uh, so we get over there and get down 14 to nothing, but, but, um, you know, it was just, it was never panic on this team. And, and like Brad said, we get into the playoffs and we've got them at home. Uh, and we, we come in and we get to wear the black jerseys against Neil to, to beat them for our fifth time, um, in our four years playing. And, uh, man, especially now, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think you ever really realize how big some of the moments and times are when when you're going through them. But looking back now, uh, just to be able to do that, you know, for for T.R. Miller and for the, the guys wearing the jersey beside you, that was that was unreal. 
let's take a let's let's take a, a step back from that and kind of set the season up coming into 2003. Uh, it, it seems like it has been for me, and it may be the same for you guys. The further you get away from it, in some instances, the more it means to you. You know, you remember your friends, you remember your childhood buddies, and, and going through the the paces with them and getting ready to to play whatever sport or participate in whatever activity that you were doing. But coming into 2003 season, you guys had just won the state championship as juniors in 2002 to shellac up there at Legion Field. What was the mindset coming in with so many uh, uh, strong players coming back, so much leadership coming back? I'm assuming that the all-season workouts were, were, were rigorous. I'm sure there was, a lot of, there was a lot of confidence going into the season. Talk about how that kind of played out working through the summer and getting ready to, to tee it up in August. Yeah, um, I think, you know, coming into the season, you know, obviously there's always high expectations at Miller. You know, it's kind of at least semifinals or busts, you know, it's kind of how we pictured it back then. But, you know, with this team, we knew we had a lot coming back, a lot of key position players coming back. Uh, so really the goal was to be the first team, you know, in Miller history to go back to back. I mean, that was that was our mindset, no doubt about it. Um, we had a great off season, you know, workout uh, program, you know, getting prepared. You know, we had really good leadership. So, there was no one, you know, no one was ever slacking. You know, we were always on top of it. And I think we, you know, came into the season with that singular focus of, you know, going back to back. Trent, how did you see it coming in uh, to, as the season was getting closer? What was your take on on, on how things were going to play out and how ready y'all were for the opener? Yeah, you know, Coach Riggs alluded to it earlier with the, the senior leadership that you had across that front line. Uh, and you had Brad coming back, just come off a state championship. And, you know, we had been, uh, we had kind of been through the fire coming up as, as ninth graders with that group that won in 2000. And then the, uh, the 2002, uh, group with, uh, Patrick Byrne and, and Dusty Wilson, Rayvon Howard, guys like that. Um, so we knew it was our time and our year. And, and one thing we loved, you know, before those Friday games, you'd sit and you'd watch the videos of, of the teams from the past. And, uh, we knew that, you know, we'd, for the guys that had been on the team in 2000 and, and the year before, we'd be two-time state champions. But what would our legacy be as seniors? And um, the the buy-in was phenomenal. I mean, Co- Coach Riggs might remember some things a little different than maybe us players do, but it it really seemed like we were we were bought in and we were connected, and there was a phenomenal culture there. Um, within the team and, and some great unity going into the season and, and really throughout. Well, you know, and, and Coach Riggs already spoke to this uh, earlier, and he'll probably speak to it again here a little bit later uh, in this program. But I know I can tell you, like, from the outside, like from the community side of it, y'all's group was identified early on as having a lot of that get to it. You know, I had some experience with you guys at the recreational level and I always found y'all were so easy. I mean, you, you didn't have to talk y'all into practicing. You didn't have to talk y'all into working hard. There was this, and Trent, you mentioned the buy-in. That's the way y'all's whole group was. I mean, it was from Kendrick Deer to Joseph Turner to Super Dave to certainly Kurt Prater. It's up and down the lineup and, and you two guys kind of set the pace that whole group. But y'all were kind of identified that like as kids. I remember whether it was baseball or basketball or or certainly football, or, or whatever it was, y'all were just easy. Uh, there was never discipline problems. And I've always thought on, on your better teams, when your better players set the pace, it can get pretty easy. It can get downhill from a coaching standpoint, from a managing standpoint. And I think that's a credit to all of y'all and the, and the examples y'all set. 
And I just, you know, it, it was it was fun to watch y'all. And y'all certainly didn't catch anybody off guard. It was a surprise to no one. Of course, when 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 you when the expectations are what they are, living up to it can sometimes be a challenge. Sometimes that light uh, starts shining too bright, and people back away from that. And y'all certainly didn't. Y'all rose to it. You embraced it. And it was it was just fun to watch the whole thing unfold. And in saying that, I want both of you to speak to some of the personnel of that team, but and Coach Prater mentioned how strong y'all were on the trenches, whether it was Prater, Deer, Prater, Mashburn. Speak to some of them. Uh, Super Dave, you know, there at center, uh, just another undersized TR middle lineman that played out of his mind. Uh, you know, played bigger than he probably should have, played better than he probably should have, to be honest with you. But that's just kind of what TR Miller guys do. And I'd like y'all to really take some time here and speak to as many of those as, as, as you can, please. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Coach Ray's kind of hit on earlier as far as our offense's success that year. I, it really started up front. I mean, we had a really strong group of uh, of linemen that year. Um, I think a lot of them had, you know, experienced some prior years. So really coming in, they all gelled really quickly. So, you know, it didn't take a long time for that to click. And I think that's what really helped, you know, our offensive, you know, production really get going quick that year. Um, I think really – Paget was really instrumental in that. I think honestly, um, you know, Josh Andrews was my senior of the year before. Uh, my senior of the year before he graduated, Page stepped in. You know, Page was you know undersized. I was a man. He might be one of the scrappiest players to ever come through. T.R. Miller. Um, I've seen him even going back to middle school ball. I've seen him uh, choke <laughs> choke defensive linemen out. I see him uh, maybe get a, maybe get a little punch. Uh, maybe get a little punch in there here and there, but. Uh, you know, Padge would never – I don't know if I ever got sacked by Padge's guy, I'll tell you that. Um, and obviously, Kendrick was – Kendrick was just a beast. I mean, he was so, you know, so consistent um, and was just downright powerful. You know, he, he's that kind of low center of gravity. Um, you know, he was he was a man in the trenches. Demetrius was amazing. Obviously, um, Mashburn had a mean streak in him for sure. Uh, Prater was obviously, you know, really solid. Um, Kevin Ard was great. I got a funny story about Kevin. Um, actually, we were playing, I think it was strong. I know we'll talk about the game later, but um, I go to drop back. And I always want to ask Coach Riggs this. Um, DJ, have you ever heard of a lookout block? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I got, I got to drop back. I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Hart. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear, I hear, Brad, look out. And uh, I just peek out of the corner of my eye. And his art had slipped, and so his man was just barreling down on him, and I, and I was able to get the pass off and hit uh, jab Michael Jones for a touchdown. Um, but see, that's just the kind of thing we had. Even though somebody messed up, he was going to scream and let me know to look out. But he he allowed me to get another couple seconds off on that on that pass and get it off in time. But uh, not just a great group of guys. I mean, they were all incredibly all played together, and they played for each other. That was the, I think that was the key thing. They played for the man beside them, and um, you know, I think Trent could probably speak more on that because he was obviously you know had his hand in the dirt with him so yeah with with um you know that was a, a special group he named a, a ton of them and, and kind of as i've thought through it you know i think one thing that, that coach riggs and the, the staff just did a phenomenal job with is working in younger guys even when we were younger but thinking about that season with guys like justin marshall tim atcher um you know tyler sheehan was a junior but had been behind that big uh, stable of linebackers, if you will. But Josh Gilmore, Matt Stein, um, you know, guys that, that maybe had not had a ton of playing time in crucial moments, um, but had to step in. And, and it was kind of, you know, 
ready or not, you're going in. But but because of the heart and the character and the pride, the, the people were ready, even if maybe it might not seem like it. And uh, we we just had a group that would play above their heads. And if you watch through the season. Um, it just gets stronger and stronger with more confidence that comes about. And, and you know, something that's kind of, you know, with, with big football these days, maybe in, um, you know, some of the bigger schools, two-way players aren't near what it used to be. But when you talk about Demetrius Preer and Kendrick Deer and and uh, and Kurt Prater, um, those, all those guys were going two-way. And, and there was some, you know, the rotation there on D-line. But, but uh, I mean, it's – you never – you know, I don't ever remember looking across and, and people were just completely blown out. I mean, it was, you know, fire in, in the huddle and uh, even late in the game. And, you know, now obviously there's fourth quarter programs and all that. But but we were ready when the fourth quarter came and it was because of that grit. And uh, and you're right, Brad, when you when you looked at the at the middle of that. And you, uh, you had me and, and Demetrius that was as big as me, and, and Kendrick Deer was huge for a, uh, a tackle in, in high school, and Prater and Art, and you got David Padgett in the middle, and I'm with you. There was more heart and grit there. And uh, he, if he wasn't going to block you, he was going to find a way that was probably illegal, but I think they let him get away with it uh, because most of the time he was undersized. But if you looked across that line, Padgett was the one you needed to be scared of because uh, he was—he had something for you every play for sure. Hey, can I can I can I tell y'all a story about Padgett? I guess y'all maybe y'all's first spring training up there at the high school. It's February and. February at First Baptist Church meant disciple now, all right, where all, they all come to your houses and, you know, they, 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 they do some studies and things like that. So anyway, they were having the um, eighth or ninth graders, whatever it was, over at my house. And so Padgett's attending. And so, you know, they're, they're sitting in my house there and they're just sitting around talking. And I had walked up behind them and David didn't know I was there. They they asked David, said, David, you playing football? I said, Yeah, I'm in spring training now. I said, What position you play? And he says, Well, he said, they got me playing center, but he said, I ought to be playing defensive back. He said, There's no way I'm big enough to play center. And I said, Hey David, and he and when I said, Hey David, he he like turned white. And he <laughs> says, just pale white. And 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 he said, uh uh, sir, I said, I wanna give you some math here. I said, we have 18 defensive backs. We have three centers. What position would you like to play? And he says, Coach, I think I'll play center. I said, okay, you're a center from now on. So. <laughs> it worked out. It turned out to be a good one. I no doubt. For a second, and, and, and Dave, Super Dave, is just one of them. You think about all the kids that have come through T.R. Miller that, you know, put in the same amount of work at the same number of workouts and they do it year after year and don't necessarily get rewarded on Friday night as quick as others. You know, days, super days time came his senior year. So you're basically putting, you know, three years in it to have that shot. He's certainly not the only one that, that did it, but in this instance he did. And it's real easy to respect that. I think if you're a teammate of his and you see the price he paid to be a part of it and then be a big part of it, that's got to be gratifying as a friend. You know, like I said, there's been a bunch of people that's come through and, and done it. Little Tony Burnham is the one that comes to mind in terms of paying the price and finally getting to play as a senior. But uh, if you get on the defensive side of it, uh, one of the guys that I always enjoyed watching and he, and he didn't get a ton of headlines was Joseph Turner. 
always thought that Joseph did for the defensive side of the football, what Brad did for the offensive side in, in terms of making sure people were lined up. You know, he wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, but in terms of making sure people were lined up where they needed to be pre-snap, I can still see him directing traffic. I think Coach Riggs mentioned he had some young DBs back there with him. You know, I think a, a lot of them graduated the year before that on that state championship team, but he had Gomez and he had Lane and whoever else may have been back there. But I thought Joseph was a great manager of that defense in terms of, of kind of holding it together on the back end. Yeah, 100%. You know, Joseph um, – he started his junior year as well, so he was, like you mentioned, uh, really the only experienced defensive back we had coming back that year. So you're right, he was really the captain of that secondary, and he did an amazing job getting everybody lined up. But Joseph, now, he would lay a lick on you, too. You know, he, he, always, had a, he always had a knack for being around the ball, um, always seemed to come up with a big play when you needed it. Um, so, yeah, he, he had a heck of a senior year for sure. I'll tell you, any time that Joseph's name comes up, you know, and we're and we're talking to our Miller football. Uh, John Lynch comes to mind because the guy was smart, but that joker was crazy in the sense that he didn't care who it was. He was going in and and helmet, you know, hitting with your eyes, helmet down, whatever. Probably we talk about it all the time. If targeting would have been around back when we played, or or well, for us, you know, who who all would have seen a second half? But Joseph was one of those that uh, you knew every game either it was going to be him or the other guy was going to have a headache. Somebody was sure enough getting one because uh, Joseph was a headhunter and definitely a leader for that secondary with, uh, with a lot of young guys that were back there. But yeah, one of those crucial guys that was a leader and, and uh, on the field coach for sure. Let's get into the season. And, 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 you know, we, we, we've talked about the Neil games a little bit and, and, and there's, there were so many great games that the strong game, was a big one there in the playoffs it's hard to talk about any of them without starting and stopping with Pike County. So I want to start with Pike County. We can talk about anything in between, and then we'll close up with the with the playoff game in Pike County. But in those days, you know, I'm going to say this. Of all the teams that, that we have played, Pike County, I've always had a lot of respect for. Number one, we have a ton of history with them. You know, it started back in the 80s, certainly when it went through the 90s. You guys had y'all's war with them in the 2000s. But the one thing I always respected about them is they played with their guys. They played with the guys in their neighborhood, just like we do over here. Nobody's bust in. Nobody's getting brought in. You go on with what you go with. Many times they came over with 24 people or 25 guys, whatever it was. Oftentimes it was the right 24 or 25. But I've always enjoyed banging heads with them. I've always enjoyed watching us bang heads with them. And, and they were a quality opponent, I mean, a great opponent. And those games, especially the couple that y'all had there over those several years, were legendary. The one up here in the regular season is as good a high school football game as you'll ever watch. I've watched a bunch of them. I'm not saying I've watched more than any, but I've probably watched as many as most. And in terms of Municipal Stadium, that was as fine a high school football game as has ever been played there. And I want y'all to speak a little bit to that game. Certainly, we were disappointed to finish. But what do you remember from that one? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, going into the year, like I mentioned, you know, we had high expectations and we kind of knew that our season was going to go through Pike County one way or the other. So uh, that first game, you know, against them in the regular season, it was a, a great atmosphere. You know, we were fired up for it. Um, and like Coach mentioned earlier, we had a habit of digging ourselves a hole. Um, and when you're playing a a team like Pike County, it's a little bit more difficult to get out of that hole, especially when you got a 
you know, player like Chris Nixon uh, as their quarterback who ended up, you know, winning Mr. Football for the state of Alabama. So he was just an incredible player, uh, athletes all over the field. Um, like you said, PG, I think they probably came over with 20-something people on, on the on the team. So every single one of their guys are pretty much going, you know, both ways. Um, it was just a, a dogfight, really, uh, back and forth. Um I was just trying to trying to remember the key plays. Um, Trent, you might have to help me out. Well, I I remember in that one, kind of the the whole game. Uh, and and again, like you said, like Coach Riggs has said, we love to give up something big. You could pretty much count on with the O three team, we were going to be down, and and then we were going to somehow put thirty something up on the scoreboard. But we we did it that game as well. We get a big stop. And then we fumble, uh, and we give up the touchdown. And then, uh, we find ourselves down 14 to nothing. And I mean, we were just, we were moving the ball great. The run game was there, um, getting as much as we wanted, but we, we just weren't, you know, ending drives and, and we were shooting ourselves in the foot. And we finally, you know, score. I, I think, Brad, I think you had a big touchdown throw, um, I might be the games may run together, but we went up here. Yeah. We were down fourteen to seven at the half. We get a, a huge kickoff return uh, to start, and again, we just we don't do anything with it. And it that was kind of the um, that was kind of the the cadence of the game was was we would we'd be like, okay, we're in position to take this over, and then we just wouldn't. And and you know that last drive, we go down, um, we we get a. A big, big completion. I remember you, uh, you hit me on the sideline for a big third down conversion. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you know, re, re, uh, rethinking about it. Um, I, I think Skyler runs it in with a minute 14. And, uh, and, you know, this, this day and age, football is just a different game, uh, which you, you can't, you can't go down on the one there and let clock run and all that stuff. Like, you know, you see people do that these days and it bites them half the time. So yeah, we scored with a minute 14 and, um, and man, you just felt like we had, we had kind of screwed around all night and we get it together and put the drive together to go down and win the game. And, uh, oh man, I even hate to talk about the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember, um, on the sideline after we went up, Padge goes back to the sideline and he happens to be standing by Coach Riggs. And Coach Riggs said, I think we scored too soon. Um, yeah. and David, you know, told me that after the fact. And, you know, next thing you know, Pike County gets the ball and they go at three or four plays, maybe a couple of huge pass plays. I remember Nick Walker had a just unbelievable one handed catch. Yeah. And I think yeah. two plays, two plays later, Boom! You know he's in the end zone, and and then we actually got a shot at the end of it. Uh, we, we got the ball around the fifty or R forty five right through a hail mary, and I think Jacob Salter caught it on like the five or ten yard line. Yeah, so we almost had a shot there at the end, but it's one of those things, man. We just like you mentioned, just kept shooting ourselves in the foot, and just could never, could never kind of get that consistent play that we need. You have to play when you're playing Pike County. Well, and you know, D- I was I was just gonna say DJ said it. Um, a, a lot of respect to Pike County and, and to that, those 24 guys. And, um, you know, we know Chris Nixon won Mr. Football and goes on to Vanderbilt. And, and uh, Nick Walker uh, became a, a really good friend and still a friend today through uh, through our time at Alabama. And, um, you know, that those guys were, were gritty and tough. I mean, they were, they were what we were. And, um, you know, I – 
I definitely say with a smile that they were lucky in the times that they had us, but it's not to take a thing away from them, but they knew, um, you know, they knew that, that we were, we were right there and they, they got some of the breaks and, and they, they closed the deal on us. But, um, but man, that was, that was definitely some great games and you hate to be on the losing side of it. You know, I, if I wasn't calling the game on the radio, I've watched the majority of my Tigger Motor football games from the south end zone. That's where I've always posted up, and that's where I've taken most of them in. Over the years, there's been about 10 times where I've gotten up in the stands because the game dictated that I needed to get up there to get a better view of what was going on. That night was one of them. The second half of that night, I went up and carved me out a little area up there on about the 30-yard line on the south end of the field, and that's where I took the rest of it in. And if I'm correct – on their game-winning drive, they were going towards the south end zone. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, I remember the, I think Walker had two catches on the last drive. The first one, I remember, was probably right around the 30-yard line is where he caught it. And when it left his hand, and all of a sudden you see this pole come up and the ball just sticks, you're like, oh, my God. And that was the first time that I started getting sick. Like, they, 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 they may go in on us. But I also remember us – you know, that, that typical C.R. Miller spirit, all, you know, getting in position to almost get that thing done at the end. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, uh, we'll see them again. These are the two best teams in the South. I wasn't sure what was coming out of the North. I'm not even sure who Pike County played in the North the week after they got us. But there was no doubt that the two best teams in the South were us and them. And I, there wasn't much doubt that whoever – you know, came out of that when the playoffs was probably going to get that thing done. Is that the way y'all saw it, you know, going into the playoffs? That, you know, we're going to cry these guys again, and that's going to be the unofficial championship game? Yeah, I would say so. You, know, you take every week in the playoffs, obviously, a one-week season, but uh, you never want to take anyone lightly. But, yeah, we kind of knew we, – we, yeah, we knew that that was – you know, we were going to have to go through Pike County. Um, unfortunately, you know, losing in that regular season game meant we were going to have to go to Brundage. But, you know, that was just – that was just how it worked out. Yeah, I think, you know, the year before, um, Pike County kind of let their guard down, if you will, or, or I can't remember if it was Tarrant or if it was Montgomery Academy that wound up knocking them off. But, um, but you know, the, the, the coaching staff at Miller was not going to let you look far ahead, in which we didn't need to. But uh, we all, we all kind of, you know, had that in the back of our mind. But obviously when you're going up against, you know, W.S. Neal um, in the quarters, um, yeah, you're, yeah. you're definitely not definitely not looking ahead there. So, but uh, but we we knew they were still out there. Talk about all right. Let's let's, let's fast forward to the semifinal game. I'm assuming that it was real easy to practice football that week with that game laying out there on Friday. I'm I'm, I'm assuming that the focus is where it needed to be. Do you have any memories or recollection of that week of practice? And if you thought, hey, the haze in the bar, we're ready to go, or does anything stand out from that week leading up to that game? Not really. Um, it's kind of practice as usual, I would say. Everybody's locked in, dialed in, obviously. Uh, I think, you know, student finals is always that Thanksgiving practice week, yeah. right? So I always got a full belly out there on uh, Thursday, the day before, um, you know, getting ready in shorts with your walkthrough and everything. But yeah, no, everything was, um, you know, practice as usual, I would say. I remember Coach Riggs just saying, you know, we were going to be aggressive in the game plan. We're going to throw it. Um, because you had to throw it against them, you know, to, to loosen them up. They were too good to just be one-dimensional. Uh, so that was kind of to be having an aggressive game plan going into it. Yeah, I know with that, um, you know, Coach Riggs and the coaching staff had pulled up 
uh, a lot of us that were seniors had pulled us up when we were freshmen. So this was our fourth Thanksgiving uh, having semi-final practice. Um, so, I mean, it was obviously very, very special. But, uh, yeah, we were very focused and dialed in. And, um, you know, Chris Nixon was a human highlight reel when you looked at what he did to a lot of defenses. And and I know that we had done a phenomenal job with the containment, really, of him in the in the first game. Uh, from what you would watch him do to others. So um, felt good about the game plan. We had some good wrinkles in. I know, you know, when we were putting in, uh, you know, tight end motion and things like that, um, really, really cool once you got to the semifinals with some of the plays that were in. But there was a ton of confidence, but we knew what we were going to be walking into, going to Brundage and and uh, being in that atmosphere. Um, and, I mean, it was – you knew the championship was was on the line. I, I don't remember who Aniano was playing out of the north, but um, you know the the scuttle was was that whoever won that was just going to walk away with the championship. And, and sure enough, when Pike County played them, I think it was a twenty or thirty point game. But yeah, you knew that was the championship in the semifinal. Trent, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a my memory tells me that you and Demetrius played your entire freshman season on the varsity football team. Is that correct? Yeah, we were. Um, yeah, um, we we earned our way onto the field. Um, you know, actually, Demetrius played more than me our, our freshman year. But, yeah, there was um, me and Demetrius. I know uh, Brad got pulled up. Uh, I think Skyler and Kendrick Deer and, and Kurt Prater. But, yeah, I remember uh, me and Demetrius taking the bus from middle school in eighth grade to go do – spring training with the varsity and i remember coach riggs told all the parents that uh the eighth graders would not be going up against juniors and seniors and i and i'm sure the statue of limitations limitations is off now but i don't really think coach t and coach ennis maybe were in that meeting (laughs) And, and we are uh we are all the better for it wouldn't do it any different but uh that was a uh some days that was a little bit of a dreadful ride leaving the middle school headed to that practice honestly <laughs> well, I, I was i was asking that for this for this primary reason i had lunch today with bart till and i was telling him about this about this particular podcast and i said i think that that this is a school record i think that trent and demetrius played in 58 high school football games. I think they played in 15 as a as a freshman. I think they played in 15 as a junior. And I think they played in 14 as a sophomore and a senior. Is it, is, am I right? Yeah, I mean, we That's were pretty I, close I, to it. I mean, yeah. 58, I mean, 58 high school football games. I mean, that's almost like two high school careers. I mean, you know, back before reclassification, yeah, but, but when I said reclassification, there was four A's. And, and when I when I was a kid, there was four classifications. And you had to basically go get an O to make the playoffs. And we had good teams that only played 10 games a year. You know, you had teams that were nine and one and not make the playoffs. So if you were a sophomore, junior, senior, you get 30 games in. And you guys come in and play 58 <laughs> over the course of four years. That has to be a school record. I haven't validated that with anybody. Coach Riz could probably speak to that. With, with some degree of certainty, but 58 high school football games. I mean, that's a, that's a big number. That is a big number. I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's a, that's a lot of games to be in. I never, I never thought about that, but you're, you're right. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's a, that's, that's a huge number. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we talked about the two Pike County games. And, and hey, David, David, yes, sir. Let me, yes, sir. let me, 
Let me throw a couple things in about the um, about the, the semifinal game. Yes, sir. Uh, for, first of all, I mentioned before that <clears throat> about the crowd, biggest crowd, you know, around. And um, over the years, I had people when they found out I was a Miller coach somewhere, they would say, "Well, I was at the Pike County game that year, way back there in the early two thousands when the crowd was so big." And and they never failed to tell me they thought it was the greatest high school football game they'd ever seen, you know, because the game was going back and forth so much. Second thing about it is that when after the season got over and we we got our check for that game from the Alabama High School Athletic Association, it was woefully short. And, and and I had people tell me, you know, and Bruton said, you know, they weren't giving, you know, in, in those days, you know, you had a ticket or when you came up, you bought a ticket and then handed it to the guy at the gate. They tore the ticket and gave you half of it. So the Alabama High School Athletic Association was like crazy about doing that right, you know. So <clears throat> people told me from Bruton says, you know, when we got there, they's out of tickets. Said you just giving them money and they just putting the money away, you know. And I also, <laughs> you got no idea to tell who, how many folks there's there or whatever. When we got our cut of that, I called out. Dan Washburn was the head of the Alabama High School Athletic Association, and I called him. I said, Coach Washburn, you got to be kidding me. He said, What you talking about? I said, Our cut of that game was this. I said. They were, they were seven and eight deep around the field, and I told him what my people had said about them not taking up any tickets. And I said, I said, Coach, I said, this is a ripoff. There's no telling how much money Pike County made off of that game. Not that I'm accusing them of stealing. <laughs> but, but you know, something's not right here. And uh, so he says, okay, well, let me see what I can do. And, you know, about a week later, I got a check for like $5,000 from the high school. So he had no idea. He just sent me some money. We get the ball. We're down 28 to 21, if y'all remember, and we're driving. We start to drive. And it, it, basically, I'm calling the plays. Coach Wiggum's standing right there with me. So Jack starts, you know, are you going to go to two-minute offense? I said, there's one thing I'll tell you. When we score, there ain't going to be no time left on the clock. I'm not giving them people any time at all to have the ball again if I can't help it. So we're we're driving down, and I would run the ball occasionally. I think we basically stayed in our regular offense, and and we're throwing it and using our timeouts, and we're we're getting down there. We we got a set. We, the time's running short now. We're getting down to about thirty seconds or something, and and Brad throws a out route out there to Michael Jones, and he don't catch it. And then, Trent, if you remember, on third down, we threw one up in the end zone to you. Right. And we just couldn't – it was close. We yeah. ju You just couldn't quite make the catch. So we got fourth and ten. We on about the 30-yard line. And uh, I think we called timeout, went over there, and we called double pass where we were going to put Antonio Gomez, who could do a little bit of everything, put him in motion, throw the little old bubble screen out there to him, and then – we were going to run a stutter and go with the receiver, and Antonio was going to catch it, tuck it just for a second, and then we were going to throw it. We do it. Brad makes a great throw. Antonio catches it. He makes a look. He start, turns to throw the ball, and they covered our guy. And like, like all good athletes, he tucked that thing and ran with it, ran it down to about 
somewhere just inside the 10-yard line, gave us the first down. And so we're we're down to 11 or 12 seconds. Well, you got a decision to make about what you're going to do, and you got a, time, a lot of time to, to deal with it. I wanted to throw one more pass to see if we could score because we had a two-point play I knew was going to score. And if we could score, I was going to run the two-point play. There's no way we playing overtime with them if we can help it. So I, we had a two-point play. The old fall down pass, which I I knew there's no way that they're gonna cover this. But there's like eleven seconds left, and I just panicked a little bit, and I went on ahead and said, "Look, let's just go ahead and run it because we got to score. Let's go ahead and run it, and 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 score, and there'll be four or five seconds or something left, and we'll just kick that one. We'll just go ahead and play overtime, which is exactly what happened, Brad. If you'll remember." We put Trent in motion to make it look like something's fixing to go on over there. And we ran two guys, ran, ran Trent and the other receiver out there. You looked at them and turned back. And, of course, the backside tight end dives down at the ankles of the defensive end guy over there. Then gets up, which was Tyler Sheehan, who we had never thrown a pass to the entire year. So <laughs> there, there's no way that they're thinking he's going to catch it. He gets up, and he's standing just about as wide open as you can be. And, of course, Brad, you hit him, and, and we scored. So if we could have worked that thing out where we could have scored, we were going for two. And and hopefully we would have, have won the game then. So, you know, it, but one thing I did learn from that is the rest of my coaching career, I never went into a big game, particularly a big playoff game, without having two two-point plays in my bag. Because if I'd had two that night, we might have ended up in the state championship game. Yeah, no, I remember during the install uh, during that week, we ran it, you know, to perfection against our own defense, and we knew that it was going to work against them. Um, I just remember Sheehan, I mean, when I, I faked it to the left, to I think Skyler, and I turned back around, I mean, Sheehan was – I don't think there's anyone within 20 yards of him. Like, it was just unbelievable. I was like, oh, my God, bro, you can't ever throw this. And I, hit she, I knew he'd catch it. And, um, yeah, if we could have saved that for the two-pointer, we, we'd be in Birmingham for sure playing for the state championship. Oh, well. <laughs> Would have, should have, could have, right? Who, who, did, who did Pike County beat in the state championship that year? Aniana. Aniana, okay. Kind of ironic. I think that T.R. Miller and Aniana – yeah i think you're right dj that's it's we're right we're right together you know every once in a while you know we'll be number one on that and then fayette county or only aniana or somebody up there will, will find some extra victories back there in the 1800 somewhere and <laughs> we'll, we'll be number three for a while but you know yeah well, I want to capture, you know, and we, and we certainly hit the, the games that probably stand out the most to the fans. Of course, when you're when you're a, when you're a when you're a player and you're in it, they're all big, they're all important, and and they, and they all have memories and, and and things attached to them. Uh, speak about some of the things that went on during, during the regular season that may stand out, whether it was homecoming or the season opener or, or whatever it may be. Are there any 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 highlights or, or lowlights that are pretty funny and and and, and and family friendly that we can share here tonight, Coach. Uh, what's these statute limitations on this? Are we are we good? Yeah, yeah, you're good. 
You're good. 20 <laughs> years. 20 years Brad's is a statute of limitations. Brad's about to miss a parade. It's really not too bad. No, um, so we, we, had a, uh, we had a tradition, I think, um, kind of started. Maybe it was having gone on long before us. I don't know. But, you know, seniors always got to get on Thursday nights and ate dinner at you know, one of the seniors' parents' house. We would rotate around throughout the year, which was always a ton of fun. We always had a blast. Uh, like I said, we had a really tight-knit uh, group of guys. And um, we all also had a tradition after this Thursday night, you know, uh, eating session, we would go out and go mud riding and just go down to Edgewood or, or wherever, just, you know, get, mess around for an hour if we had to get back for curfew. Well, <clears throat> and I will say, we never miss curfew except for this one time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we go down to Edgewood, and I think it's Hunter Madden. There's one spot in Edgewood where you could not – you do not drive your truck or you're going to get stuck. And sure enough, he's like, oh, I got it. No problem. I mean, he sank his truck big time. <clears throat> and uh, so we're, Joseph gets his truck out and, you know, get a winch hooked up and pulling it out. And his, Joseph's winch snaps and breaks. We're like, this is a problem. About the time the winch broke, uh, it was, we had to get home for curfew. So we all kind of had to make, make a decision. It's like, well, do we let Hunter just, you know, leave him out to dry or do we, or do we try to get back for curfew or do we help him out? So they say, you know, I'm riding, I'm dropping David Padgett off at his house to get his dad's truck. And, uh, so we go, we take it down to Edgewood next, he hooks it up and he's having trouble, you know, getting Hunter's truck, uh, pulled out. And, uh, so next thing, you know, pretty much all the seniors are out there and just her underwear trying to get Hunter's truck. We're all, we're all knee deep, chest deep in mud trying to get his truck out, finally get it out. And, um, you know, we all get home. We're probably, I don't know, 45 minutes an hour past curfew. And I go inside. And my dad's like, where you been, son? And I'm like, uh, had a little problem at the creek, you know, uh, at the creek as well. Coach Hart called and, uh, checking up on your curfew. You're suspended for tomorrow's game. <laughs> 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 and so I, 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 I was just like, you know, devastated. And so my dad, you know, my dad loves a joke. So he let me sit on that for about 30 minutes and finally I was like, Nobody called. You're fine, but don't ever let it happen again. <laughs> so, 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 so Big Brad had no concerns that you showed up at 10:45 in just your underwear. Look how muddy. So he didn't think he had an idea. <laughs> had an idea of what was going on, but <laughs> I'll tell you, I uh, I wasn't I wasn't with them that night, and and I thinking back, here's why I used up my mulligan. During the red and white game that year, um, during the butt pad debacle, if, uh, any, if anybody recalls that, so um, we we get into the game and uh, and the, the ref comes over there to coach and he's like, hey, you know this this guy and this guy don't have butt pads in. I mean, this is you know big problem and and uh coach rig starts looking around and this guy doesn't and this guy doesn't and i was kind of standing over behind him and i see what's going down and i don't have my butt pad in and uh i look at a underclassman beside me and i'm sitting here like all right how i, I gotta steal this kid's butt pad I, I know what's about to and i think i'm negotiating with him and threatening him and all that and about that time coach riggs turns around and says everybody that doesn't have a butt pad go to the locker room right now and get it and i was like oh my gosh because you know i'm about to be a senior and, and on and on and 
So I run in with probably, what, 20 other, 25 other people. And then when we come back out in front of the whole town at the spring game, we got to run sprints because we didn't have our butt pads. So uh, long story short, I was making curfew and kind of doing anything I could because I knew I had, I had used up my one chance. But uh, Brad still had his in his pocket for the mud ride. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, Trent, <clears throat> I, I still have people that uh, that mention that to me every once in a while. They'll, they'll say somebody will be talking about football or the equipment they use, and they'll say, Hey, you remember when you made everybody run because they didn't have their butt pads in? Oh, yeah, I had an out of body experience then, but I I did that I did that mostly for the fans who got a really big kick out of it. You know, if you come to the spring game, you ought to get something a little special. We gave them a little something special that night. No, I, I luckily luckily I had my butt pad in, but I remember the panic in a lot of people's faces. That <laughs> I had a uh, we we mentioned. Uh, Wiggum a couple of times, and, and, and I love me some, some Jack Wiggum. I consider him a, a good friend, and of course, I know y'all love playing for him, and Coach Riggs coached with him for a long time, and I think every group that comes through there wants to think that they're old school, and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the path they went down was a little tougher than what those behind them came. I think that's probably par for the course. Well, I changed my perspective on that. It was watching you guys practice, and it was watching Wiggum run a drill down there in the end zone with his linemen. And I mean, this is this was medieval stuff. I I, I don't even think it's legal to be perfectly honest with you. He had he would have a guy on his knees, and he had to put his hands behind his back and lift his head just ever so slight, slightly. The guy across from him was on his knees, and he they were practicing firing off, you know, making good contact, having good pad level. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching this go on for about eight reps. <laughs> these, poor, these poor kids, the, the, I guess they were trappers at the time. They got their hands behind their back and you got Kendrick Deer over there crouched like a, like, like a pitcher. <laughs> he blows the pistol and he hits him in the pin. I mean, he knocks him on his back and this was going on. I remember looking at, I can't remember who it was, Bart or who was standing beside me. I said, my God, I couldn't play for T.R. Miller right now. There's no way. Do y'all remember that drill that I'm talking about? Yeah, I I do, and I'll tell you, we. Well, I was at their felon coach. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> yeah, that was for me. <laughs> well, this that, that that confirms what I'm about to say. So, that not not long ago, me, Dusty Wilson, Brandon Wilcox were talking about practice with Juan Johnson, Shane Dawsey, and Patrick Byrne, and we were telling them while y'all were over there tossing the ball around and running routes, we were over there in the shoots on a two by four or on knees learning how to fire off, and yeah. it was like war. I mean, it was unreal. It was it was like hell every day, and uh, and yeah. So yeah, Brad was was chunking the ball around and all. But uh, yeah, was, you get you get Coach Wiggum, Coach Ennis, and Coach T down there in the corner on the shoots. Oh man, yeah, that was, was no joke. Was that, 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 that was no joke. That was serious. And I I have a vivid memory, and I can't remember if it was y'all spring or if it was the fall. I do remember y'all were inside Municipal Stadium practice practicing, which leads me to believe that it was uh in the spring. But y'all may have practiced out there in the fall, you know, more than I remember. But anyway, he coached Hunter Madden up out there one day in the North End Zone, <laughs> and that was uh, that was very interesting. That was very very interesting for adult ears only. But he showed that young man up that afternoon. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, kind of being one that was kind of came in and matured and, and trial by fire and then watching others, uh, Michael Mashburn was one that being a younger guy, and, and, and again, you you named that starting O-line that was there, 
and uh, and he he forced his way onto the field with the way that he practiced, the way his attitude was, and and the licks and the growing pains that he put up going up against all of us every day. And that was what we had all went through, you know, with the upper class when we came through. But but I, I didn't mention him earlier, but but Michael uh, Mashburn was one that, I mean, you just you had to find somewhere on the field for him. And, and that guy was tough as nails and made all of us better as, a, I believe, he was a junior when we were seniors. Coach yeah. Ridge, re- relatively speaking, which I understand <clears throat> you're coaching 15 and 17-year-old young men, it's a challenge every day. I get it. But as far as, you know, groups you've had come through there, wasn't this group one of the easiest groups to coach? I mean, is that fair to say or, or overstepping by suggesting that? No, they, they, they were pretty easy. If we, could, if we could find Michael Jones and get him to practice. Um, <laughs> you know, if he wasn't, he wasn't up there in the office over something or something like that, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty easy deal, really. We, we knew we had those offensive linemen coming back. And just to give you an idea, you know, why Miller won so many games over the years, for 30, well, actually a little over 30 years, our offensive line coaches were Donnie Roch and Jack Wiggum for 30-something consecutive years. We could block. And, yeah. we, 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 and we practiced blocking. We didn't just go up and rub up against some folks and this is who you're going to block on Friday night, but we actually believed in – practicing blocking and being physical about things. This was a very, very physical football team. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, one of the things I learned in coaching is when you get in trouble, and we were in trouble fairly often, but if, if you get in trouble in a big game or something, always depend on your whoever your players are. Depend on them. Get the ball to them or whatever you need to do. And the night we played Neil over there, y'all remember the hole we dug, and we're down 14 to nothing. If I'm not mistaken, we fumbled the kickoff, and they got it back down there on about our 10-yard line, and uh, um, we're we're in deep trouble because they can play, and they had Alfonso Gross, and he could go the distance at any time. So we've got a problem there. We managed to hold them out and hang in there, and then – I remember right before halftime, Brad, you throw a pass to uh, Michael Riggs, and he dropped it. And we're coming off the field. And he came up, Michael came up to me and says, hey, I'm sorry about dropping that pass. I said, don't worry about it. I said, it'll be fine. I said, we're going to win the game because we're going to run the ball every play in the second half. And I went in there and told because I knew that was our that was our strength, and I and I walked in there and I told Jack I said, "Tell the offensive line we're gonna run the ball every play, and if they want to win the game, they're gonna need to block Neil. And if they don't block them, we will not win the game." Now we may have thrown a pass for two in the second half, but uh, we basically lined up. And the other reason we wanted to do that was to keep the ball away from Gross. You know, but but uh, we we controlled the game in the second half, came back and and won the thing. But we did it leaning on our offensive line, and so uh, you know those guys were fantastic. And again, I I don't know that during the twenty seven years I coached, we ever had a better class of linemen than the two thousand and three group. This uh this this might not make the cut, but talking about funny stories and things like that, and talking about the maturity of our O line. 
I'm not going to name who it was, but we had one guy who had a 35-year-old woman looking to stab him after practice one day. So we were, uh, we were, we were a group. We were a group that was well above our time, and uh, and and we uh, we were causing havoc on and off the field. Yeah. I don't know how I can I don't know how I can follow that up, but um, <laughs> no, no. One story uh, about Neil uh, going back to back to those guys. Um, <laughs> uh, with, with Neil, um, you know, when we were in high school, or sorry, growing up as kids, I always remembered, you know, the Neil week. You shaved your head, like yeah. that was just that was just tradition. And I don't know when that stopped, but our senior year, we we're like, hey, we're we're doing it. We're bringing it back this year. So. I remember, I think it was after maybe Thursday practice. I, I can't remember exact day it was, but we kind of, we didn't really tell anybody before practice, but afterwards we started lining the team up. Like, hey, this is going down. This is what's happening. Um, and most people were in line with it. Um, there were a few young, younger guys where we had to chase them down in our cars and I think shave their head in the, in the front yard. <laughs> but uh, I remember I allowed Demetrius to, um, he shaved my head and he shaved, uh, he let me talk. He talked me into sh- putting gashes in my eyebrows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two, two cuts in the brow. Yeah. I wish I would have known, uh, for the next week I happened, uh, coach Riggs let us know I'd won a scholar athlete of the week. I got a camera crew showing up. And, uh, I got gashes in my, my mom was pissed. <laughs> yeah, we brought the shaved heads back. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's good stuff. That's that's great. Well, I tell you, you know, I've always, and I think it's a testament to T.R. Miller as a whole. You know, one of the key components, and it has to be to long-term success, is character. And we 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 have in spades in that program. Of course, you know, it's instilled in us. All our coaches, you know, Coach Riggs uh, did it for so many years. Uh, uh, Coach Cutter's doing it now. Coach Sasser and Coach Cotton before them. That's been, you know, the, the mainstay and the pillar that our program's been been founded on. That's my opinion. Uh, and, and, and y'all's group had it in spades. I mean, just high character people across the board. Great athletes, but the character was was this top shelf stuff. Well, I don't know. Go ahead, Trent. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, not only was was T.R. Miller football and and the the coaches and the players so special, but, you know, you you talked about it some earlier um, with just the town as a whole. And, you know, when you had the opportunity to coach us and and if you – when I sit here and think back through – Every coach I had, whether it's YMCA basketball or, or Babe Ruth baseball and what we were able to grow up in. Um, and I, I remember being enrolled to go to St. Paul's for kindergarten and dad coming and saying, we're moving to Bruton, Alabama. <clears throat> and, and really all we knew about it was there was some really good football there. And, uh, you know, I, I remember being in kindergarten and when the, the cheerleaders would come by to sell you, you know, the face stickers or the pins. Um, and, and just dreaming about, uh, being in a Miller jersey one day. And, and again, the way the whole town embraced that. And, and as you were being coached, you know, in youth, yeah, it was about having fun, but, uh, it was almost like there was that underlying message there that, that everybody was kind of had the same, the same cadence and same tone, if you will. And I, I, you know, Jeremiah Castile used to say the way that you practice will determine the way that you eat. And um, I think about that just with 
with being raised in athletics and sports and, and now getting into kind of coaching my five-year-old, um, you know, and I'll catch myself saying or doing or, or trying to instill a lot of those things that <clears throat> Bruton as a whole and the community as a whole and coaches coming up and then at the high school level, Coach Riggs and, and the staff. Um, and, and like you mentioned, DJ, you know, with you, whether you were coaching us in Babe Ruth or whether we were playing wiffle ball in the side yard, it was with the intensity, you know, that we were going to need and, and supposed to have on a Friday night or, or in a uh, or in a Tuesday practice at T.R. Miller. And so just the, the whole town being behind that, um, I think that's one of the most special things that makes up Bruton as a whole and, and, and then the athletics uh, that we had the, the chance to go through. I'm glad you brought the wiffle ball games because, <laughs> and I remember it was called senior year and the battles y'all had been through was when the worm turned. And that's when I pulled all, all the old guys together and I said, we'll never beat them again. I think we played seven games in a row. I was determined to, to at least win one. And after the seventh game, I looked at my crew and I said, it's over. We'll never beat them again. <laughs> that, 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 that got ugly. It did. <laughs> I just kept thinking, surely they'll fold. Surely they'll fold. Surely they'll fold. But no, it was fun while it lasted. But y'all, uh, y'all had the last laugh. But it was, it was. Uh, I really appreciate Coach Riggs letting me be a part of this tonight with you guys, and certainly recognizing and, and celebrating the 2003 team. We could uh, get off off mic and and talk about it all night. I'm not saying we won't do it, but I, Coach Riggs, I appreciate you letting me be a part of it. And Trent and Brad, it was certainly good to catch up with you guys again. And and I think the world of, of you and your families and y'all's whole crew is great people. And I appreciate being a part of it. All right, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Hey guys, yeah, let, thank you, DJ. Before we before we get out of here, one one last thing. And Trent, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but um, 20 years here out of uh, out of graduating, um, you guys put a tremendous amount of effort into what you did here when you were growing up and, and playing football. So. You know, talk a little bit about what it what it means to you today, and um, as you look back, and maybe some of the things that you learned uh, that you that you use today, you know that you learned from playing football. Yeah, I think Trent kind of summed up earlier. You know, just the uh, just how you know amazing it was to be a part of that experience. Um, you know, growing up, I moved to to Bruton in the uh, summer, going into first grade. I'll never forget that first Friday night, you know, going to a football game. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And from that moment on, you know, I wanted to be a chairman of the Tiger, you know, growing up and watching John Hart and Matt Sasser and um, all those guys, you know, those are my heroes back then, you know, and getting to sort of, you know, fulfill that dream as a kid. And, you know, I remember, you know, walking around town when we were playing and kids were like, Oh my God, there's Brad or there's Trent, you know, how excited they would get. And, um, you know, it's, always great having these memories looking back, but, you know, there's always still things I think about, you know, um, reminisce on certain games or the times together that we had, <clears throat> uh, you know, it means a lot for sure. And I think the biggest thing I take with me now is just you know, the teamwork and you, know, you can use that, you know, my, my everyday, my life at work, you know, working together to accomplish a, you know, a common goal. You know, I think that's, that's something I definitely take with me every day. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you for me, one thing that stands out, um, I remember the first day of ninth grade athletics uh, when we came down to the, uh, you know, the dungeon per se. And, and we met with you, coach. And um, 
you know, we're thinking that um, it's going to be weight training or, or you know, the secret to a 28 sweep or, or Lord knows what kind of fun that day on the track. And you handed us a piece of paper and it had a character and the definition and pride and the definition and heart and the definition. And, and that day, you know, you, um, you told us, you know, and, and started to instill in us what the, what the real, um, heart of a champion and, and grit and foundation, you know, of T.R. Miller and, and the, the process and tradition there. And, uh, so that's what I, I take with me today that, um, you know, whatever, whatever the task at hand is, um, you know, it's not, it's not right what's in front of you. It's the foundation there and it's the, the culture and, and, um, you know, what's inside of you, um, to go after that, um, no matter what it might be. And like you said, there were a ton of times where we were the, you know, we never won the cheer and war as coach Baker would say before the game. Uh, we were, we were hardly ever the biggest maybe, uh, until our senior year with our O line. Um, but there was a, a lot of times when we were, we were down, you know, and, and probably not a lot counted on us, but that, uh, that foundation would come into play and, and what a TR Miller Tiger was before us and still today. So that's what I take with me. All right, guys, listen, I want to thank you for doing this. This has been fun. You, uh, you remember there's been, uh, uh, 98 football teams at TR Miller. you you guys, uh, the, 2003 team is the uh, number nine team of all time, and that's saying something. David, thank you. Brad, Trent, thanks for doing this. Uh, This has been A Minute with Coach Riggs. Thank you for listening.